This is the EWN Podcast Network. Welcome to Driving Outcomes, your source for inspired solutions to address the most pressing leadership concerns of today. On each episode, we examine the latest developments in applied research and education and how it impacts your business and social outcomes. Our host, Tracy Shirachi, brings you conversations with groundbreaking researchers, educators, and business leaders who are changing the face of leadership every day. And now, here's Tracy. Hi, everyone. I have the pleasure today of introducing Laval Brewer, who is the CEO of South County Outreach. And I'm really thrilled to talk to Laval today and share with all of you about the work that he's doing at South County Outreach and how they're affecting not only the local community here in Orange County, but I think also addressing a far greater need and a far broader topic um, around food. And food also has to do with other basic necessities like shelter and clothing and just the necessities that we oftentimes take for granted, but are are the key to our survival as human beings, no different than um, anybody else. And so would love to have you highlight Laval, like what you're working on and kind of characterize um, kind of the obstacles and challenges and just share with us more about what you're doing at South County Outreach. Well, Tracy, thanks for having me on today. Um, so uh, what are we doing at South County Outreach? Um, our, our core mission is to prevent hunger and homelessness by helping people help themselves. So you know, the first time I heard that mission, I was like, helping people help themselves. Does that, does that pull people up by their bootstraps? People pull themselves up by their bootstraps? I'm like, because we know that's not really possible. And the more um, I got into how we go about doing that, I realized it is not, it does not pull yourself up by your, by your bootstraps, but that we, our community, care and love for you so much that we are going to help you be as successful as you want to be. Um, and that kind of got this, got us on this journey around us talking about this food insecurity and the food issues and also housing. And what I realized and what we realized is that um, people who were vulnerable enough to go to a food pantry in South Orange County um, want to help themselves, right? They want to help themselves because their neighbors, oftentimes their neighbors um, living in the house next to them or the apartment next to them are often either driving cars that make them seem like the world is just fine or going to locations and activities that make it seem like the world is just fine. And you're looking at your situation and going, the world's not just fine, but yet you're living here. And so we started saying to ourselves, you know, what is it about this? Like, what, what is it about the way that we go about helping people have food on their table and in cases also keeping roof, roof over, their he- over their head? We realized that it, if we're going to be true to our mission and people helping themselves, that we needed to expand just the ability for you to come and get something for free to the ability for you to learn how to not have to utilize those services in the future. Um, it's not good enough for us to hand you a fish and it's also not good enough for say, okay, let's show you how to fish. It's, it's big enough for you to say, I want to. And so we've been on this journey of really kind of normalizing food um, in our food pantry to being where when you come, you feel like you want to come here. Not like I need to hide myself from going to the food pantry. I don't know anyone to know that I'm here. Or when someone comes for rental assistance, that 
is because they're trying to maintain their situation where they are. And they know that we care and love for them enough to where we want to help them be so successful that over time or immediately, they don't have to utilize our services anymore. Um, so our, our humanistic approach um, to this is really what would I desire for my relationship to be with South County Outreach if I were in need of the services? Well, and I, what I think you, I appreciate you bringing up is that like, one is, is acknowledging that just because you're facing a situation where you need food or shelter doesn't necessarily mean that you don't want to help yourself, right? So I think that's one thing. The other piece is like community. One thing that we have to acknowledge in terms of crisis and in terms of bad times is a sense of community. So when I think about like history, um, even in my own family, like the elders that went through the depression, World War II, like crisis in and of itself, there's two ways one can respond. You can either run towards it or away from it, or you can band together, right? And yeah. so the idea that like, it's the love of the community that wants to support people in crisis, not to create a social stigmatism, which I think is the other piece where we feel as human beings bad if we have to ask for help. Like, there, I mean, I think all of us can relate to that, right? Like if I have to ask for help, there's almost this like, oh my, you feel bad. And it's almost like the stigmatism that you can't ask for help. And, and so we've wired ourselves that way. So one can only imagine like if you need the basic necessities and you need to ask for help, that's not a, like that's, that doesn't jive right. Right. And so people want to be able to pay something. People want to be able to sustain themselves. There is an aspect of our, you could call it ego. You can call it whatever you want. Right. But there's an aspect of ourselves that defines us where we are able to um, provide for ourselves. And when we are able to do certain things, there's a confidence. Right. So I think you guys have dialed into this really significant approach, but really like, human psychology approach and just also this human socialization of what needs to occur and what kind of change needs to occur in order to end homelessness, hopefully, and end food insecurity. We, say like, get to, we could say get to functional zero to where there's, there's no more homelessness. So some people will fall into homelessness, but others need to fall out of it. Yeah. So. And I think the other piece is, is like, unfortunately in the world, if we're being realistic, there will always be homelessness and there will always be a shortage of food for certain people. And that's just yeah. reality of life, right? That's the reality of what goes on. So we're never going to fully eliminate it, but we should be bold enough, which that's what I think I applaud you guys in doing is really applaud you in being bold enough to say, we're going to try, we should, right? We're not going to settle to not try to eliminate it, which is bold in and of itself because, I think you've said this before and other, and we've had conversations. It's like, we love to love the problem yeah, so much yeah. that we fall in love with it, that we don't actually move it or change it or do something about it. And I want to, I want to equate that to the person who actually said that is Trista Harrison. She's in Minnesota. She, she had a, a talk about stop loving the problem. Right. And, and social service organizations and, and people in general, and oftentimes when I think about my own, my own church, 
the problem, like we love the problem, like, oh, we get to feed the hungry and we get to go and help them and we get, good, to, we right? get to give back and <laughs> feel good. And we, we love that problem so much that when the problem goes away, we're like, well, wh- why, where are the people who need to be hungry? We need to help them. It's like, there are less people hungry. That's good, right? Yeah, it is good. <laughs> That's a great thing. Nobody That's wants what... to go hungry. That's what we have to acknowledge is nobody wants to go hungry and nobody wants to not have shelter. Yeah. So, you know, what, what along that, I mean, Teresa, I think the outcomes really helped us really look at that. So we started looking at our outcomes, not our impact, because the impact is what's sexy, right? Mm-hmm. People love the impact. We helped 5,000 people this year. And my question is always the outcome. What what happened because of that, right? It's not, it's not just someone stayed in their house or someone had food mm-hmm. on their table. Yes, that is really important. At the same time, it is, we need to ask ourselves, so what did we do within that space that changed the reality? So are, do people feel less stressed? Do, are there less childhood adversity, adverse issues? Um, does the family conversation have less of a volatile piece? Because we know we, know we adults, when, when finances aren't great, there's only a few of us who are able to handle that well. And we have this tension, which doesn't make for fun in the household. Did, were we able to were we able to, to reduce that? Um, those are the questions we started asking, and when we started asking those questions, that's different than how many people we fed. Oh, it's transformative, I imagine, right? <laughs> which, which made us stop and say, so the way that we do this is more important than what we do, right? the 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 way that we do our food pantry is well more important than handing someone a box of food. And I'm not saying anything disparaging the people who are handing people boxes of food, but if our dignity and respect are our values, then if I'm gonna have dignity and respect, it has to be based upon my ideal of what dignity and respect is. And this is where equity comes into, into play within this also, because in South County, South Orange County, for those of you who don't know, South Orange County, it's right around, it's below Disneyland and um, close to Newport Beach, um, close to the ocean. You know, you have a good number of people who are fine, right? At least on the surface, they are. On the surface, yeah. Right? And then you have those who, who are affected by situation and then those who are not fine in the first place, right? They're overextended, whatever that may be. And then lots of reasons for that. Well, if you are used to being fine and your neighbors are used to being fine and you're in stress because you're not fine, and yet everyone believes that because you live in South Orange, South Orange County, you should be fine, you find places like ours, which are resource deserts, right? So you've heard of food deserts in urban neighborhoods. Our South County is a resource de- desert. So in other words, when you aren't fine and you do need help, because you live in a somewhat affluent location, there are less resources, which puts more stress on those families who are not fine. And here's the equity part about that. There should be no line about when you help someone who is in need. And it shouldn't matter whether they drive a BMW that they just bought two months ago, or they live in a, in a house that is bigger than your, what, you, what you live in now, but they're currently not fine. And what you said about community, if community is real, then we help those people just as much as we help those who are clearly identified as needing the help right away. So in other words, you're living on the street. I can see that you need help. 
You're living in your car. I can see that you need help. The ones who hide behind the door who are suffering and pain by themselves deserve just as much of our love as someone who is financially much more insecure. Mm-hmm. I think that's huge because oftentimes we think about in society that we need to help those that have less, but we re- we define what we think less should be, right? And the other piece that you've highlighted right now is that's a judgment that we've placed, we've indirectly placed versus in order to take a true, true, what I'll call true equity lens, right? We should be, it, it should be as simple as anybody who needs help, period, gets help. It's not the judgment as to whether or not we should give that help or not give that help or, you know what I mean? So it's, it's the equalizer. Somebody needs, a human being needs help you're helping that human being. Period. It doesn't matter who that human being, who that human being is. doesn't matter what they did to get there or what decisions, like the piece is, is that you're helping them. But, but I think the other piece or the wraparound to that is the work that can be done is maybe around how to help somebody make better decisions and maybe how they spend their money or not necessarily, you know, being caught up in maybe the security of keeping up with the Joneses. And so like, what does that, you know, look like in terms of trying to be perceived a certain way that you can afford, you know, there's work around that that can be done, but it shouldn't, to your point, like it shouldn't prevent people from helping somebody get food and shelter and the basics that every human being needs. Yeah, absolutely. And it, it, and it's hard, right? We want to help them. Everyone wants to help the majority you know, majority of people. Like whenever I talk to a donor, they're like, I want this money to help the most people we can. And we were like, absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. Putting parameters on that and saying who is a different conversation. Mm-hmm. How? Yeah, we can have that conversation. <laughs> we can have the conversation how or how much or how often, Um but the who is never, should never be a question. And, you know, that's where, you know, we have to have these open conversations so we can actually come to a realization of how we go about helping the how. The who I think everyone should be agreeable on is someone who's in need, someone who can't do it themselves. And then for us, it is those who want to do for themselves, right? So our core mission is helping helping themselves. So if you're if you're willing to help yourself, you're like, yeah, I want I want to do this. I want to help myself. We're like, we're all in on you. We're all in on you. If you're like, I want you to do it for us, we're like, mm, yeah, no, that's kind of not what we do. Like you, you're in it with us. We're in it with you. You're in it with us. It's a two way partnership. Mm-hmm. Um, and, that, and that's our goal. I mean, that other other organizations have different goals. And you know what? That's why we all that's why we all have missions because we're going to do it one way. Another organization do it a different way. All about all to make sure that the world is a better place. But I appreciate you mentioning that because oftentimes in conversations I get with individuals, and I've gotten this with some friends too in the past, where there is a um, stereotype where they're like, I don't want to give to a homeless organization because I feel like I'm feeding the problem or whatever. There's some misconceived notion, right? Or misconceived um, reason that someone erects as to why they can't give or do something, whatever it is, right? It could be a a lot of different things, but there's a bias or there's a stereotype about where their money is going or that it's not that the person doesn't want to rehabilitate or doesn't want to 
have an active part in changing their life. And I think you've highlighted something very clearly is that not all organizations necessarily buy into that where it's like, hey, we're just going to put the bandaid or we're just going to like necessarily just help for a temporary po point in time. And I'm not saying that they're not um, helping in other ways or that they're not helping to transform and change, not at all. But I think what's really significant about what you said is that your particular mission is really about helping the individual so that they can enable themselves to help themselves and to be essentially that self-sufficient individual so that they can provide for themselves when it comes to the basics. And that actually goes against anybody who doesn't want to help or contribute or donate because look here, here's an organization right here where South County is saying, no, you must help be willing to help yourself in order to be part and to receive. Right. And so I really appreciate you mentioning that because I know I've gotten into conversations with, um, you know, friends or colleagues about the very controversial and sensitive topics, right? But in all fairness and respect for their position, um, they may not know the organizations that they can help that share in their similar values or share in what they in the, how they think is the best approach to solving the problem or the issue, right? Yeah. And the other piece that I think is worth noting for individuals is you've really focused on the outcomes piece, which defines the impact, right? And it's getting clear on what kind of impact you want to have by being clear on those outcomes versus like in our world, we always talk about outputs versus outcomes. The scale piece, there's nothing bad about outputs, but if you're only looking at scale, like you're helping more people, but you're not really understanding the depth or that transformation itself, then you're just increasing more people. And yeah. that in and of itself is not a bad thing, but you're not going to the depth at which it solves what I call systemic change mm -hmm. or, or addresses systemic issues, which especially in this pandemic, I mean, I'm, I'd love to hear what your thoughts are and what you're seeing in the landscape, but in a time of crisis, systems are breaking down. Any infrastructure is breaking down, process, government, whatever it may be, right? The way in which we've been handling things, it's currently under a lot of pressure and it's breaking down. So we're in a time of opportunity where systemic change is necessary. It's needed. But in order to be a leader in today's time, one has to be bold enough to disrupt or do things differently that maybe no one's ever done before or like, no one's ever gone there before, but that's okay because we're in unprecedented times where none of us alive today have ever been through a pandemic before, if we're being real with ourselves. So given that, any solution's a good solution in terms of disruption or new ideas. So how have you guys um, looked at that for at South County in terms of how you're approaching the system and the and the breakdowns we're seeing? So we're, we've... We've changed some policies. Um, we've identified some uh, opportunities for, for, sorry about that. We've changed some policies. Um, we've identified some procedures that were um, built on scarcity. Um, so some of our, some of our, some of our procedures were built on scarcity. Like, okay, we only have so many dollars. We need to, we need to protect those because we were, we were, and this is nothing wrong. This is where we were. We were looking at impact as our critical, critical measure. Right, the number of people was important for us. So, 
in, in, in kind of those procedures and those actions and the, and the monies we were like, how do we preserve so we have help more? And we started taking a really good look at this when it was around the rental assistance. We were like, okay, so if we only help someone with one month's worth of rent, which is, which is not, a, not a small amount of money in, anywhere, <laughs> but yet we don't do anything, but, but, but then they have, let's say, two or three months worth of rent they still owe. Have we actually helped them get to a point to where they can actually start to help themselves? In other words, they can stop thinking about that and they can begin thinking about the other things we've talked about, like coming to the food pantry on a regular basis or um, thinking about moving or getting a roommate or whatever that may be, whatever, whatever, the, whatever the other solutions we may talk about. Those are some small solutions. But what we realized is all we were doing was putting more stress on the family. Because what we were saying is like, okay, we're going to pay one month of your three months worth of rent. Good luck with the other two. And we didn't say that, obviously, but then they were well, like, okay, thinking, I still have two That's more what rent. they're thinking, right? Is there like stress and anxious because they're like, this will only last me X period of time. How do I, how do I get out of this? How do I, how do I stop from being in this place? Right. So then they start making bad decisions, right? The bad decisions are they get a loan. They put on a credit card if they have one, they, whatever it is, that's not the point. So we, so one, we started looking at what are our practices mm. and can our practices modify to actually not think about impact, but think about outcomes. Mm. So in other words, if we're going to go from paying one month for rent to possibly paying three months of rent, that means that instead of helping three people, we're going to help one. That's a harder decision. But the reality is if we help the right one who's ready to help themselves, then we have a greater path for that person. Right. That's one. The second is, we started taking a look and we're, we're still in the process of this. We took a good look at our food pantry and our food pantry is a client choice food pantry where a client actually walks through and picks their own food based upon, you know, their family size and their preferences, almost like a grocery store, almost like a market. And when we, when the pandemic hit, we unfortunately couldn't continue having clients walk through our store like a regular grocery store, but we continued to have our volunteer shop for clients based upon people's preferences and needs. And when we looked at that, we started thinking, okay, how do we, how do we keep this as dignified and as respectful and as true to what we had before? And we would still use the baskets. So we still push out a basket with, with, with plastic bags in it, paper bags in it. But now what we're looking at is, is, is that possibly the wave of the future anyway? Because the world has sort of changed to drive up pickup for your groceries or for your, your dinner. Well, can we capitalize on that? Can we do drive up pickup for their groceries? So in other words, we're looking at change, having a technology system that allows a person to give us an idea of what they want with a pick list on, online that would give the volunteer a ticket who was pulling their, their food like they were pulling it from a grocery store and then, and then park, taking it out to their car. Two reasons why that's important to us. One, it begins to normalize what other people are doing today. Mm-hmm. But the second more important piece was it actually created the ability for a client to move faster through the system. And what I mean by that is if you're already stressed and you're trying to maybe work two or three jobs right now, and you've got only a couple of minutes to go shopping at the free food pantry, the ability to do that on, on your time, let's say at, on your break or at, at night, and then the next day drive your car up and have that food be placed into your back, into your trunk, Huge time savings and you'll actually get the food versus stressing about when you're going to make it to the pantry to get that food. 
exactly with our limited hours or whatever that may be. So we started looking like, how does this help people have less stress? How does this help people get the food they need when they need it? How do we help them not have this? And, and again, I'm, I'm not disparaging any other organization. Okay, I got to figure out how to be off on Thursday between 11 and 2 so that I can stand in line for two hours to get the box of food from this organization. Very important. Nothing wrong with that. The reality is I have the ability to have some resources to do something somewhat differently that allows a family to have less time in that and in some cases more dignity. But I think Um, what you're sharing is not disparaging anybody who's in the similar space as yourself. You're literally sharing your thought process and a way you're approaching it differently, which might actually give others ideas for collectively approaching it in maybe a similar way that may work for the population that they serve. Maybe it doesn't work for other reasons, right? But it's something that you're just sharing, which I think is really helpful is we're also in a time of crisis where as leaders, we're trying to figure out how to address very similar problems that all organizations have around capacity, like shortage of resources, how do I allocate those resources? Like all leaders of organizations are having to grapple with that. And yet, because we're all facing those similar circumstances, why not share what we're doing to help each other? So I think what you're highlighting is you've looked at policy, it sounds like, you looked at process, but what are you also looking at like long-term in terms of like, where are you investing or what are you doing in terms of the long-term view of, because this pandemic is going to go on longer. I mean, the other day I heard 2022, potentially depending on, obviously it's dependent on a lot of other factors, but like that doesn't even talk about the economic impact that will go on for a while. So what we're thinking around that, Tracy, is, is again, one, we don't care who. So we're trying to make it easier for the who's that don't see themselves in our, in our system to see themselves in our system. That's, that's probably for us the, the, the biggest challenge right this minute. The people who need us already know who we are and are here. What we need to get to is the point to where people who don't know who we are and who will need us to one, not just know who we are, but feel comfortable and vulnerable enough to extend. So there are a couple of things we're going to do. We're going to change the name of our food pantry. We're going to rebrand that. And we're also looking at um, upgrading and modifying the shopping experience one with that digital online process, that doesn't work for everybody. Um, but when you do walk into our pantry, again, when you walk in and you walk out, I want you to walk in, I want you to walk out, not going, oh, that was really nice. That was a really nice place. I want you to just walk in and walk out just like you would walk in and walk out of your regular grocery store. Only difference is you don't pull out your wallet. <laughs> you, don't, you don't pull out your debit card. Um, and then what you do is that feeling is so much different. And what I mean by that is when you go to the grocery store, when I go to the grocery store, we don't think much about it except if their experience isn't so great. I waited in line too long. Um, they didn't have the right, they didn't have that. They that ran right out of something. Yeah. They, oh, I forgot something. Oh my God. <laughs> Took me too long to slide my card. Why doesn't it work? And why doesn't my, my rewards show up? Well, that's, that's our experience. Well, the experience for us that we want people to walk away from is they walk away feeling that they never even thought about their dignity they never even thought about who was there and that the experience of love and of community is doesn't overwhelm them that it becomes actually sort of normal Mm. it becomes becomes it becomes a part of like oh yeah just this is where we go get food 
because we need to. But I love that because it, it removes the social stigmatism. It's remove it's removing the negative feelings of um, what we measure our self worth through that we shouldn't be, and it's remove. So it's removing that, and those things also don't help us. Like they perpetuate. Like if we don't think we're good enough, if we don't have confidence, like if our mindset and everything is dialed into that, like our whole being is defined by that, how can anyone expect to get or change their situation if that isn't retooled? So what I love about what you're describing is you're really focusing on the holistic well-being of the individual too, that actually goes beyond just food and shelter, but is strongly tied to that. Yeah. Extremely strongly tied to that. And that's something that I think we also have to acknowledge. Like you said, our experience going to the grocery store is every human being wants to have that similar experience. And also at the same time, like everyone should, right? Yeah. I can give you an example. And, and uh, this is, this is a simple one, you know, um, being a nonprofit leader and um, um, it's not like I have an incredible amount of money. I have enough money to take care of my family. But one of the things we recognized was that Walmart, um, the neighborhood market was cheaper mm-hmm. than my local, my local market. And in this, we realized this during the first economic down, the last economic downturn, right? Like, oh, well, wait a minute. We actually get more food from Walmart than we do from our local grocery store. I won't, I won't say which one it is. We still go to that local grocery store, by the way. We go to both. <laughs> we go to both. Yeah, don't say the local. No, I'm just yeah. kidding. <laughs> we go to both. Uh, but I'm calling out the Walmart because it was, it, it was interesting because when my wife shared that the, that the food was the same, um, but was less, with one of with some of some people she knew, they're like, "Ooh, I don't know if I want to go to Walmart." And it wasn't until some people started going to Walmart, they were like, "Oh, this is the exact same." Food. It's the same exact food. It's like <laughs> it's kind of like I don't know if you have gone to Dollar General or the dollar store. I've been in the dollar store. You will find the same exact product, the same. It could be food or otherwise for a dollar, or now it's like two dollars for some things, um, compared to like you said another store. Yeah. So if that was the case for purchasing food on a regular basis, when I look at it, I'm like, going, okay, so where's, where's that model for those who can't afford to buy food at all? Where, where, where's that model? Because if you have SNAP benefits and you're not going to Walmart, um, you, you, you need to, (laughs) um, one, or you should consider it. I shouldn't say you need to, you should consider it. Um, but then where's, that's our, that's our, that's the thing we're thinking about. It's like, so where does that next location lie for those who are in the position where they can't afford to go to the system, which means a really big system, logistics, people, um, lots of things that need to be created so that the people who are going to get food, get it from a place that makes sense for them to get it, not from other but I think also it's about access. It's also equity too, is that the same brands and the same food that you get in, let's say a Whole Foods or something, right? Should be offered the same thing to a dollar store, right? I mean, that's what we're talking about essentially here is that the the affordability or the ability to pay or the access to something should not be based on necessarily the socioeconomics, but it's just that shouldn't someone, shouldn't everyone get organic food and be free of chemicals and 
blah, blah, blah. You know, like, shouldn't everybody have that access? Shouldn't yeah. everyone have? Um, so I think, you know, it's it's the same thing with, like, an attitude about what we donate, right? Like, are we donating also new things and are we giving new things to individuals, not only just our used up old whatever, you know, it's, there's so, there's a psychology that I appreciate that you brought up, hopefully for our listeners to hear too, is there's a whole dynamic of the psychology and social aspect here that, that needs to, we all need to acknowledge as human beings. And through that, like you said, what I also, I really also appreciate is like, the outcome that you focused on is the rental assistance example is you helped that one individual, even if you can't help five right now, but you help one, but you can demonstrate over time, let's say that that individual never experienced, you know, homelessness or never experienced food scarcity ever again in their lifetime. How powerful is that to be able to say that one made that difference? in that person's life compared to, right, 500 people who maybe end up experiencing homelessness for their or food scarcity their entire life. I mean, I'm, yeah. I'm just saying hypothetically, right, is like, that's a totally different mindset about how you want to have a specific type of impact driven by outcomes, not output. Right, right. It, it causes you to make drastically different different choices. You have to be able to explain them too in a way that helps people understand why you're doing what you're doing. Um, that's that's critically important because if you stop and go, well, Laval, you you were helping three people. Now you're only helping one. Like how or why, right? Like why? how is how is that? And why did you only help one person versus three? Right. And then you have to you you step back and you go, okay, so let me help you understand why we only help one person instead of three. Because all three of them were three months behind their rent. And if we helped each of them with one month, then that's great for one month, but there's two months left for each and every one of them. And the reality is that we spent the same amount of money and we didn't help them any further than they really could have been helped. But that one, if we did all of that in three months, that person is now, the, the stress is gone. Mm-hmm. They can focus on other things. The, the family unit is better. I mean, there's all these outcomes. And you're like, well, but the other two people, yeah, but if we had done the other way, they all three of them would still be stressed. All three of them would still have outcomes like this and they'd all be chasing dollars somewhere else. In well, other the words, other thing be- that you're highlighting is exponentially, you help one, you nail that, you solve that, you help another person, like exponentially over time, the momentum you build by the approach and the way you're thinking about it will scale. Oh, yeah. Right, it will scale, but the impact of such is so much deeper. But you've got to start somewhere and be willing to give up the scale at first, so to speak, for the sake of the long term momentum yeah, the long that you're trying to create. Yeah, and Tracy, the long term for us, I haven't, I don't think we've ever talked about this. The long term is to put myself out of business, right? The long term, well, at least out of that, that part of the business, the, the most expensive. Um, high cost part of the business. I want to put myself out of that business so I can get to the maintaining part of the business. We're going to still have some people who are going to need food and are going to need rental. But what I really want to do is to shrink that down as low as it possibly can and then spend our time on preventive measures so that families never fall into that space and they never get to the point where they might be homeless. Because if we can do that, then people don't fall into homelessness, which I don't do. That means I'm putting less pressure on the 
downstream organizations who are trying to house a significant number of homeless people right now. Which is exactly what's happening, why the system is breaking down is because now we're in a point where, like you said, downstream, it's coming to a head, right? Like we've had more people that need these resources more now than ever. Yeah. That's huge. Well, I appreciate your time, Lavelle, and sharing with us what you're doing at South County Outreach. And I hope the listeners really enjoyed learning from you and hearing what you're going through and also the decisions you're making and how you're approaching it, because it's a very empowering way of looking at a issue or something we very easily can be burdened by. And I think all it's very close to all of our hearts as human beings. And so being able to hear from you how you're approaching it differently and how you're seeing it differently gives people inspiration and hope that alone gives people inspiration and hope so i hope others have enjoyed you know listening to you and look forward to see what south county does well we're going to be a blessing to our community that was the reason why i came here and that's the reason why i extend i, I live here so tracy thanks for having me on i really appreciate it thank you laval Thank you for joining us on this episode of Driving Outcomes. If you'd like to listen to or download other episodes of Driving Outcomes, go to ewnpodcastnetwork.com. This podcast is also available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and most other major podcast networks. Please also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn as The Mark USA. We hope you'll join us again next week for more conversations with today's leaders who are driving for results and achieving phenomenal business outcomes. Have you ever asked yourself this question? Why is it so hard to make a buck? (laughs) I know I have. Hi, I'm Sandra Yancey, founder and CEO of eWomen Network. What I have discovered after going from the brink of bankruptcy to running a multi-million dollar award-winning business is this. You can't build a million dollar dream hanging around minimum wage mindsets. My mission is one million women entrepreneurs generating $1 million in annual revenue. So here's what I've done. I've created the mother of all entrepreneur success programs that you can access online on your time. It's called Monetize Me Now. It's a seven module online course that is 100% my success formula, covering mindset, mission, management, motivation, marketing, and measure. Come on, take my hand and I'll show you the way to learn to earn flowing revenue for your business. Visit monetizemenow.com for details. Calling all speakers. eWomen Network has speaking engagements all over North America that must be filled. Are you a gifted messenger, author, expert, or successful entrepreneur that can help women entrepreneurs grow their businesses? Our mission is to help 1 million fulfilled women each achieve $1 million in annual revenue. If you're a speaker that can help women prosper, go to eWomenNetwork.com and sign up as a pro member of our Speakers Network. That's eWomenNetwork.com. Thanks for listening. This is the EWN Podcast Network.